Super Talk Mississippi media production. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. Back in 1989, that was the first time I met today's guest here on In a Mississippi Minute. Uh, it was at the Greenville Gothic Country Club. I remember very clearly. He was one of the hottest PGA golfers on the planet at the time. And there I was playing music at the pool. Humble times for sure, before any hits. He came up to me and said, you need to go to Nashville. And I did. And what an effect that that moment had on the rest of my life and career. Please welcome six-time PGA champion, Ryder Cup, and President's Cup champion, and a winner of the PGA Tour Championship, Mississippi's adopted son, Jim Gallagher, Jr. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me on. And I do remember that day. Don McLean, uh, American Pie, I heard you singing. I told somebody they needed to turn the music down. It's great. Sounds good, but turn it down. <laughs> and uh, I looked over, and there was you playing the guitar. It was uh, really cool. I'd always heard about Steve Azar, and I finally got to meet the legend myself. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I was a legend. We've been dark. friends ever since. We have been great friends. And, you, and, and so just to put this in perspective, as before we get started, I want everybody to understand that in life, as, as you meet people, and there's just these moments when you look back and you go, oh, my God, that had to happen. And uh, how things really aren't on schedule, on, on my schedule. I had tried to get a record deal, Jim. You knew that for years and years. I had a hot band on the road, trucks, all this stuff. But obviously, I know now, looking back, why that didn't happen. It was no focus. It was a mess. Uh, I was writing pretty good, but not writing good enough. I had a long way to go. But with that said, at that time, I thought I was there. But you, I was sort of just going like, hey, they, they'd give me a little money to play on Wednesdays. I was playing golf. I was a member of the club. I just built a house in Greenville. I was officially, I thought, done before my really my career career ever got started. And you said, I've got a friend in Nashville. You set me up with R.C. Bannon. R.C. Bannon's married to, uh, was married to Louise Mandrell. And then he said, we're looking for a hat act. You're nothing like what we're looking for. And I saw him later. I beat him in the Music City uh, golf tournament. I won it. And then next thing you know, we're becoming golf partners. We spend eight years playing golf together. And all of a sudden, we decided to write. And that's when I Don't Have to Be Me Till Monday came out. I'm talking to Jim Gallagher Jr. And if that doesn't happen, if he doesn't come over and see me, my career doesn't. I don't know if I'm if I ever left town, never had hit. So, I always I'm always thankful and grateful to you, Jimmy, because that was a, a a pivotal moment in my career. And I've talked too much. Let's talk about you now. Well, I mean, you know, talent is like that, and I think you know you are a very talented person. And it's as I tell my kids, you know, life is a lot about networking, and and you look in any business, and it's you know who you know and, and connections and and. It's not just golf or sports. It's it's in business. It's in life. It's it's like a dream, you know, for people. I mean, 
when you have a dream, don't let the dream go away. There's nothing wrong with dreaming. And I think that's something you always had that dream. And then there's times, you know, even in my golf career playing, you know, I got my card right out of college, played at the University of Tennessee. I got better every year, uh, but there's always somebody better than me. And I always kind of took the underdog role, and I always kind of played to that. And it made me keep striving to get better and better and work harder. And, you know, even though I got my card, I didn't hardly get in many tournaments in 84 and, and basically lost my card back to tour school. Back and forth, long story short, I got back on tour two or three different ways. So life is like that, and, and that's one thing golf is taught me is little lessons in life and you know sometimes we live in a society now where you know we all get a trophy a participation trophy and yeah. you know we got to be real careful with that you learn sometimes more from your failures than you do from your success absolutely and i i, I truly believe that you know you got to have a support team and a support system behind me and, and for or anybody unfortunately for me it was my wife sissy and now my kids uh you know i had a lot of success early on in my career with my Two oldest, Mary Landon and Thomas, were they, they traveled every week until Mary Landon got to about first grade and they stopped traveling. The tour wasn't as much fun. Right. Uh, because when you came home, they didn't care if you shot 80 or 60. They didn't know the difference. Right. Uh, they loved you. They loved to see you. And that was the cool thing about you know my life and having them travel. And I always felt like, as I had Kathleen and Elizabeth, you know, I didn't want those two or even all of them to wonder, oh, you got these trophies, where'd you get them on eBay? You know, they were so young when I was winning right. <laughs> that, you know, you just kind of sit there and going like, man, and and they, now as, as they've gotten older and they've looked back and they said, you were really pretty good. I said, yeah, I was okay. And I always kind of fought my confidence a little bit there, but you know, that's one thing Sissy and, and my family have always kind of put that belief back in myself, probably even yourself or anybody trying to make it in, a, in, in life is someone back there keep pushing you a coach keep pushing you and i don't mean beating you up mentally it's just encouraging you and there's times you got to get tough but you know you got to look in the mirror every day and just say is this what i want to do and and you know fortunately for me i had a, a fun uh, great career and i've been, i enjoyed playing well all right we're talking to jim gallagher jr a multiple winner on the pga tour won some big events I watched you beat sevy wasn't it Seve, six and five? Yep. At the Ryder Cup, who was known, obviously, as one of the uh, the the giant killers. And you came in and just – it didn't last long. And I love how, how you took him down. You were playing such great golf then. All right, I do have to give the Meeks credit. I grew up big fan of the Meeks family. I love I loved that family very much. But I was disappointed when they introduced you to hunting because you didn't need a side <laughs> – a side a curric- you didn't need any extracurriculum, and you got addicted. You fell in love with hunting. You know, it's interesting you say that. And when I did beat 70, it was only three and two, but it felt like six and five. Okay, that's all right. Thinking I was better than I was. It's my but show. I can make up numbers, you know. <laughs> and I like that. I like the way you're thinking. See, you're putting positive things in my mind. Thank you. But, no, you know, I remember my dad, who was a club pro back in Indiana for, you know, actually 45 years till he retired. And he told my father-in-law, Ed Meeks, that I needed a hobby, you know, that he really didn't have a hobby. His hobby was working and... And it was in golf, but I needed a hobby. So when I did come home, I needed some downtime. He said, I'll do it. And so we went out a few times. We went quail hunting, and Sissy had actually gone with me. And that was kind of quite a fiasco. It'd take too long to tell it on the show. But I wasn't very good. They were ducking a lot when I got, the, got my shotgun up in the air. You know, I didn't really know anything. I yeah, there's no, moving, there's no moving the bullet left and right or right or left, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just, you just really, you know, I really wasn't too, too good at it and, and very... Uh, wise around my surroundings, but one thing you know, Ed always did stress was safety, and right. and he knew that because of me playing golf, I ought to have good hand-eye coordination. And then we got into duck hunting, and we would go 
nearly every day and all, i mean we went all the time you know he worked in the cotton business and he would get done with his stuff and we'd go late mornings and you know most people got up early but we went to a place that we could kind of go later in the day and we just had some great times together and he kind kind of became one of not only my best friend you know here but he just always encouraged me and that's what he did with all his kids and that's one of the things that was so great i wasn't around my parents as much because they were still in indiana and i was down here but he was kind of that support system here too and he was such a good player. He was fun to play with. Yeah, he was great fun player. to be around. Yeah. And I got into it. I loved it. I thought it was great. And the first few times I went, though, they would always tell me to keep my head down. And here they come, keep your head down, keep your head down. And they'd start shooting, and they'd be flying away. And I'm going, like, what the heck? I figured it out on the third time. I was only there just to have so they could shoot some more ducks. And I right, right. Kill you know, they were, <laughs> I it's figured so it good. out pretty quick. But no, and then we kind of got into deer hunting. We're fortunate we have a nice farm that uh, we have out in the hills in Carroll County. And, and, and you know, some of my most peaceful moments and, and is away from golf is just out there, whether it's on a tractor, you know, getting food plots ready or putting tents out so the kids and the family can enjoy those things. You know, it's kind of a unique thing, kind of how my life has become with Mississippi. I won my first pro tournament in Hattiesburg, which is now the Sanderson Farms Championship uh, back in, in 85. I beat Paul Azinger. It was an unofficial win, but it was my first pro win. I had done junior clinics before I even moved here. Now I marry a girl from Mississippi. I moved here. I win my first, you know, all those things fall into place like you were talking about. And, and really, kind of in the mid-90s, I, like golf club company, equipment company was out. And I was looking for a deal, so I did a deal with the state of Mississippi in Mafio Camouflage. Right, and I, I remember that. I came out with a camouflage golf bag and uh, Toxie Haze and everything. Trendsetter, too, by the way, because it, it, it sort was. of it really was. Boo Weekly, it was before Boo Weekly. Right, I, know. I got out there with a camouflage golf bag, and the first day I bring it out is in Atlanta, and guess who I'm paired with? Tiger Woods. I love it. <laughs> so, I love it. I love it. It was perfect timing, and, and you know, now Mossy Oak has a golf course in West Point, so they're in the golf business, and they combined it and merged it in with golf and hunting. So that's one of the great things about our state is we have hunting and, and fishing, and we have all these outdoor activities and right. golf, and that's the thing. You can do it all day long, and you can do it the whole year long. That's what makes this. That's just why this was a home to me, and, and right. they have adopted me. Uh, I'm sure they adopted me unwillingly at first, but when I knew I married Sissy, it made it a lot easier for them to accept me. But, uh, you married a into a Mississippi Delta royalty. We're talking Jim Gallagher Jr., <laughs> uh, multiple win on the PGA Tour, adopted son of Mississippi. Uh, you just made me aware of, you know, being the music and culture ambassador, I'm so blessed that Governor Bryant has bestowed that upon me. I've learned more about that part of Mississippi, although mm-hmm. I knew about it. I took, I may have taken it for granted, but now, you know, going in and, and just hearing our boy C. Ray, the director of tourism, talk about all of these other things besides the arts, which is what I'm all about. You know, I love it, but I'm also about sports. But obviously, I'm I'm a, a advocate and a fighter for the belief that arts need to be in our children of all kinds and it's in our genetic makeup down here we are the birthplace of american music we are it and so i fight for that but in the meanwhile i you you go wait a minute you grew up going rabbit hunting you you grew up you know doing all these other things and that's what makes mississippi mississippi you are in a mississippi minute i'm with my brother jim gallagher jr we'll be right back Head to head. For every sport of every kind, tune in here where you will find. Head to head radio. Weekday afternoon starting at 3. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. And now on Amazon Alexa devices. Okay. <laughs> 
in a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar. We are with the great Jim Gallagher Jr., multiple, multiple, multiple winner on the PGA Tour, won some big tournaments, played in some great Ryder Cup and President Cup matches. You made one point, and I think that I'm going to give the Meeks a little credit, and your dad, which I said, wait a minute, your dad, who was a pro golfer, and seems like he'd have kept you focused on nothing else, but obviously uh, he had, he, you know, he, he knew you needed something else. Okay, so if you compare the two, your walk down the fairways, that tranquil feeling, you talked about being on the tractor, you talked about being in the woods with, with people. I'm sitting there, I always talk about what other sport is it that you can do that you can get to know somebody in a certain amount of time. You're right. This is the other place. And it's consistent with the game of golf in that you get to spend, you get to build a relationship. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I just think, you know, when we talk about Mississippi, it's a way of life. And that's how I describe it to people. And, and you know, I think that's that's a great comparison. And, and when you sit there and, and, and over time and, and you go out there and you, and you spend three or four hours with somebody, you can learn a lot about a person. And it, it's a game of golf is a game of for life. As is, we take hunting and fishing for granted here, like you said, because we do it all the time. It's it's just part of our life, and we forget about how lucky we are and how good the things and the things we're blessed with each time. And, and golf is like that too. It opens up so many different. I mean, I've been to the White House twice. I've met presidents through golf. I've done things and with CEOs. And that's the thing when you're in college and you're trying to get your marketing degree and you're trying to get a job with somebody. And you know, my life goal was to play golf. Well, now I'm playing with the CEOs of these companies, and it's just like this is crazy. Uh, and, and I think with golf and, and, and hunting, you have that peaceful feeling that you're just out there and you can kind of do, it's like you know you're walking and you see things. When you're in the woods, you don't realize how loud the woods are until you go hunting and you hear right. nature waking up and, and everything's kind of coming together and life is coming together. The same thing with golf. There's no special, more special time than first thing out on the first tee or late in the afternoon playing. So those things mirror each other, I think. Uh, but it's it's such a cool thing. And you see people now, a lot of the current players, they want other things to do. And, and I think it's important. And, and we talk about sports, and, and a lot of parents want their kids to, you know, they're going to get a scholarship in college. We've got to play baseball, baseball, baseball. Right. I'm one that thinks you should play every sport. Right. And then you get maybe, you know, middle school junior, or junior high just before, maybe narrow it down to one per season. And then as you get to high school, maybe narrow it down to a couple. But I just think it's so important to keep kids active. And like you said with music, it's so important to keep those things going. I mean, my, my wife, Sissy, uh, Elizabeth, just finished their senior play. It was a musical. And, and to see these young kids, even in today, that you just think, oh, they're all looking at their computers and their phones. They did a wonderful job. And hearing them sing and being able to get out there and, and see the joy of them right. coming in there and for these people to walk in, it was cool. And, and I didn't have the guts to do what they did. Uh, and, and have the confidence to stand up for like they do. So there's so many things in life that we just we really got to pass on. And like you said, history is, is so important in this state, and, and to just appreciate the great things we have. I mean, it's so quiet, and people are so just sincere. That's right. one of the things I knew when I moved oh, yeah. out there, it's just how sincere people are, willing to help. And, you know, and, and just everybody's the same. It's like, hey, we're all just walking out here just trying to get through life. And, and I think that's one of the coolest things, and that's what's, why Greenwood was such a great place to raise my kids. And, and uh, now I have a grandson, and so he gets to come up. And so, you know, I look forward to those days, and I'll tell you this, 
I never knew grandkids would be so good as, as my father-in-law said he would skip kids if he knew how good grandkids yeah. were. <laughs> we can't do it. I don't know if it works in that sequence. No, no it's like my mom. My, is, my mom wanted to said she wanted to be a nun, but she wanted to have kids. That's a similar comparison. Not going to happen. Exactly. Work. <laughs> we're talking to the great Jim Gallagher Jr. He's in his home in Greenwood. We are actually uh, in a Mississippi minute. All sixty of them. You grew up playing golf. It was expected. So let's dig. Let's dig back a little bit. You're a high school kid. And you are uh, trying to go play in college. You go to the University of Tennessee, great golf program. When was it that you uh, started to go, I can really do this? You always dreamed about it, but at what point did it become a reality? That's a good question because in high school, you know. And, took and a ways to golf, get there. Was, Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wasn't the best player in the state of Indiana. Actually, the guy that was was the number one player in the country. And I could never beat him. His name you know, Larry Gosford, and he was from uh, the, the west side of the state. He was great. Uh, and I could never beat him. He had that mental thing on me. And that's why I always had that, not so much a chip on my shoulder, but that underdog role. Right. Uh, and then I wanted to go play in the South because I knew the weather would be better. Uh, I wanted to be in the SEC. And, and, and at the time, Tennessee's golf program was horrendous. I mean, it wasn't, there were was a few good players here and there. And I wanted to go somewhere where I felt like, and this wasn't egotistical, where we could build a program. Uh, and start something, and I could play. I wanted to play, and, I, and you know, well, yeah, pro playing as a pro was a, a, a an idea, a dream, or whatever. But wasn't sure how good I was. You know, I was the top ten or fifteen in the country. But everybody's good when you get to college. When you see a lot of high school athletes now, and they're great, and and they're put up on the stunt. When you go to college, everybody's good, and you go to the pros are even better. So. You know, we won the SEC my freshman year. We had a bunch of, you know, guys that just kind of pieced together a pretty good team. We were competitive. And just that competition, and it really didn't hit me, I guess, until I, I guess my senior year, I was like, all right, I'm going to turn pro. I guess that was the time when I really thought I've made it. You know, I made it at, at, the, at the World of the Players, Players Championship at the TPC Sawgrass. Six rounds there. If you can make it through there, you can make it anywhere. Right. Uh, that back, and, back, back. Okay. That was tough, right? I mean, it was like oh there, was, there was no tri- there was no web dot com Nike tour. What? Right. That didn't exist back there then. There was nothing. I yeah. mean, you, when you when you, if you missed there, you were going to go play mini tours. It's basically organized gambling. You're playing for your own money. Right. And you're and you and, and you just there was nothing. And so I got my card and I thought, you know, man, I've made it. Well, then I got on the PGA tour and I shoot four under the first round at San Diego. And I missed the cut, and I'm going like, oh, my gosh, I'm not as good as I thought. Right. And, and so that year, you know, I stayed in the top 150, which I got kind of a temporary status, and I went back to tour school and missed. Well, like you said, where do you go now? Uh, where do you go play? It wasn't like it was. You know, to keep your card back in 84, it took $36,000. Well, okay, and, wait, wait, say it again. 36000 yeah, 36 or 38000 What's, what's the number now? Card. Oh, my God, six, seven, eight hundred thousand. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. I mean, I had a great career, but the numbers now, the Tiger money is what we kind of call it. Right. Phenomenal. But I went back and forth. You know, I, they actually, they had a thing which was like pre-web.com called the, the TPC or TPS tour. And I was a leading money winner that year. One tour event, two events, and I got my card back. And I played good for a couple of years, then I lost it again. So you go through these battles of emotions and you're going like, man, I, I think I can do it, but can I really do it? And then that year in, 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 in 80, uh, 88, I had nothing. I had nowhere to go. I had, I had nowhere to play. And I'm thinking it's over. Now, kind of like you said. You know, right. It's all over. Right. What am I going to do? What am I going to I mean, and I've got a marketing degree. I mean, I can't imagine giving up my dream, but where am I going to play? Well, I played some mini tours. I Monday qualified a bunch. And lo and behold, in Milwaukee, I Monday qualified and finished second. 
and end up getting my car back that year. And that sparked it on to have the career I ended up having for those those years up until 2000. So, what, was your you wife, know, Sissy, playing golf at the time uh, during this period of your life on the, on the tour? That's a great question. We, we met, and uh, that year I was we had nothing. And we met, and she played golf at LSU with my sister, Jackie. And, right. and we kind of started dating. And I, I think it was her mom or dad. Her mom was still living then. And they were just like, she said, Jim and I want to get married. And she goes, what do you mean? Is he going to be able to make it? Is he going to be able to support you? You know, because... I didn't really have a job. Yeah, you know? yeah, love it. Yeah, and and and, and I and she'll say this, and this is not me. This is her words. And she told her dad, "I've never seen anyone hit a ball like that. It sounds different. It's just different. He's that good." Yeah, and you know, and the rest is history. If I don't make it plain, if I don't marry Sissy and meet Sissy, See, I, 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 I love that you're saying that. I, die. I love that you're saying I, that. I, so you got to have that in your life. She understood golf. And she and she came in a golfing family, a great golfing family. And Sissy decides she's going to give up being a pro. She was a pro, right? Yeah, for she a got while. A card, actually, she got a card for that one year, and, and was fighting a shoulder injury, and and she gave up her dream. She gave up that dream that she had. I mean, we both had the same dream, right? And right. Uh, yeah, honestly, I would. I don't know. I'd have done it like she did. Uh, I, I really don't know. I mean, I loved her. I mean, I'd have done whatever, but. I don't know if I'd have given up my dream, but she, you know, she was hurt. She wanted to be a mom, and and we've had that conversation so many times. She couldn't be a great mom like she is, a great wife like she is, and be a great golfer at the same. It's just too difficult to do that. Very few people can do that. And another thing that I didn't say, like her mom Linda Meeks, who had cancer, she inspired me. Right. You know, I came in there when I first met her, and I had a bad day, and I was like, man, this woman's here fighting for her life, and here I am complaining about four footers. You know, when you put that in perspective, you know, my life got put in perspective just meeting their family and, and, and changed the way I kind of thought. And, and, and all there were still times I still acted the way I always acted. You fall back to those things and, you're, and you are. But, you know, I think Sissy misses the fact that I'm not playing because she loved to watch me play and she just. Uh, and, and, and I had somebody ask me the other day, Jim Thorpe, we were playing. I was playing the PGA Tour Champions event in Biloxi, the Fallen Oak. And he said, Do you miss playing competitive golf? And my answer was, I miss playing competitive golf well and competing to try to win. I don't miss shooting 75 and 76. Right. You know, uh, and, and that's a hard thing for an athlete. You know, when do you say it's over? When do you say it's not over? You still have a drive to want to do that. And fortunately for me, Golf Channel gig came around three or four or five years ago, and I've been able to kind of parlay that into something and continue in golf. Uh, and, and getting to see some of the great players now that, uh, that play the game currently. I'm Steve Azar. You're in a Mississippi Minute. But before we go, Jim, birthplace of American music is right here. It's in Mississippi. So do you want to hear a little Faith Hill or a little Albert King? Well, you know, I love Faith Hill. So I'm going to have to go with some Faith Hill. All right, Faith. Because she, call, she used to call me Mississippi. That's pretty cool. I'm Steve Azar with Jim Gallagher, Jr. You are in a Mississippi Minute. Here's a little Faith Hill. JT and Rhino. They don't tiptoe around anything. They're not afraid to just tell you like it is, and they have opinions that are strong. The JT Show. And you have to respect them for that. Weekdays at 10, Super Talk, Mississippi. 
In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Here we go. I'm Steve Azar. We're on the downside, sliding downhill. Not a lot of hills in the Delta, but there are some in Mississippi, <laughs> obviously. Uh, we were with Jim Gallagher Jr., multiple winner, big time stage, the world golf stage for so many years. And now he's doing a lot of comedy. You see him on the Golf Channel, uh, doing a lot of uh, analyzing of the day at hand for the players, the young players. And uh, Jim, I watch you uh, do this. And as as the years have gone by, you started on the LPGA Tour. I remember uh, you doing that. You've gotten so good to me. You're You're so informative. Uh, I, always, I love David Duvall as well. I, I, I think about how you guys sort of articulate uh, through your knowledge uh, of growing up doing it, uh, being on the world stage as a player, being great players. I just think that it's perfect. Uh, are you? Do you enjoy commentating and doing and and being an analyst? I do. I, I think it's a, a cool. You know, I would say this because of poor golf. I learned more about my the golf swing and more about analyzing. If I'd have done. The way I analyze now, and I don't know if I could have played as, at a successful level like I did because I just played. I saw shots. I played. I just played, played, played. Now I see things differently, and I think that's the part I had a hard time playing when I did try when I turned fifty to try to go play, you know, PJ Tour champions because I had worked for USA Network uh, for a few years, two thousand two to two thousand six. So I'm analyzing golf swings and how things are played, and so I'm seeing things completely different than I did when I played. And I think it made it very difficult to play that way because that, that went totally against what I do. And, and what I try to do when I'm analyzing is kind of the way I play. I know where my strengths are. I don't try to think I know everything because I don't. I try to use this as what maybe help me. Uh, it's hard to relate sometimes to the current players because they're so dang good. They're so athletic. To me, you guys mm-hmm. had your own swings. They were uh, they they all did the, they all had their own little thing. You know what I mean? They're very noticeable. Like l- listening to a singer that sounded like nobody else, right? And there was mm-hmm. no clones. There were no imitations. There were, do you feel like the golfer today with the so many have so many similar styles? I mean, you know, you don't know who. In a lot of cases, do you feel like? Um, that that gives them an opportunity to break down faster under pressure if everything's not quite right, whether you're not playing with feel as much as you're playing with technique, Technique, I guess, is the best way to to describe it. I think, for, I think with the current player, they have so much more access to information. I mean, my dad had a finally – I mean, I never saw my golf swing until I was maybe late in college or even as a pro. Wow. I didn't really. I never saw it on video. I didn't even know what it looked like. I just trust my daddy. He's my teacher, and you know he knew what was going on. And and I just went with with with, with that. And I think today they have much, so much more access. Golf courses are better. Uh, they have better instruction. I mean, I see so many kids out of the state of Mississippi doing so well at college. It's the, the instruction there. You got guys like VJ Turlio and Tim Yelverton over at Old Waverland. That that access is there. Golf courses are better. Uh, it's just it's so much. It's there for them. I think we went through a stage where there were a lot of cookie cutter, but I, I think you're now seeing the current player with a lot more personalities. Mm-hmm. Social media has changed things. I mean, you have more access to them, uh, and I think those are the things you're seeing now. And, and these guys are buddies, you know, and they catch a bad rap because they oh, they're not tough enough. Yeah, they want to win. Normal fans out there, they love it because they have more access. They get up close and personal. When I was playing, those guys – 
they didn't give you access like these current players do. Yeah, okay, but you're and, a Mississippi uh, adopted son. You're a very friendly guy. Who were your uh, true buds on tour when you were there? Well, Bruce Lipsky was kind of like my mentor. Right. And uh, Love he, Bruce. He, he was like my big brother. He was 10 years older than me, and he was already an established player. And we just had a lot of times. We played every practice round. He cut his schedule back. He was kind of my role model, that he would be able to go home and be dad and be the husband and, and be that guy and then come back out and compete at the high level. I think that's what I always wanted to do, is to be able to be like him. And when he did play, I played every practice round with him. I picked his brain. Uh, and that's what I tried to do when I was first playing on tour. I tried to basically get paired with the best players, to see what they did, to see how I compared against them. And there was no better moment than when you'd walk off where a Raymond Floyd or a Tom Watson would say, you're going to be a great player. You did. You had a great round today. Wow. And, you know, Jack Nicklaus is a huge – I'm a huge fan of him. And I got to know him through his son, Jackie. And, and I'm not – I'm still in awe around Jack. Yeah. But I can talk with Jack, and now we can talk about hunting. And we, If you want Jack Nicklaus's attention, don't talk golf. Talk hunting. Right. Grandkids. You got <laughs> I love it. it. I you know, it. and I think, you know, that was the cool part with Jack. Now, Arnold – I couldn't talk in front of Arnold. I, I was just, my mom and dad grew up a huge Arnold Palmer fan, and I was just in awe even more of Arnold. So, you know, the more you get around those guys, the more you get comfortable. And I think the same way when you played, I always loved to be paired with those guys. Now, Greg Norman was very intimidating as far as a player to play against. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Seve, but those guys, you just watch. What do they do under pressure? How do they handle things? And you learn from those guys. And I think that's one of the big things that helped me in my career is getting paired with those guys and i think you you see these guys now the current players are all picking phil mickelson's brain and right and going up with the veterans because they've been there they've done that and i and i think it's so important i mean the same thing in music i'm sure you go to when you meet these top people what do you do what do you try to you know when you write songs you go with all these great writers so i think you know you'd be crazy not to use people with that experience and pick their brain and take parts of what they do and, and, and no, apply you're, it. No, you're wondering, and even the older guy, let me tell you what Bruce Litsky gets out of it, or like, for instance, my Roger Murrows or whoever, Mark Allen Springers, who had so many hits, it was crazy. Uh, songwriters of the decade, songwriters of the year. They wanted to write with us, looking back. Bruce wanted to play with you because there is knowledge to be gained by youth. Uh, as well so oh, yeah. you're, you're always helping each other i want to talk to you you mentioned greg norman i'll never forget sports illustrated and it said didn't it say well i can't rem- quite remember exactly did they sorry greg yeah. you were already in the clubhouse and he makes bogey i think y'all were, was it olympic club yeah olympic club See? he made bogey in the last hole for me to win yeah i usually don't get my stats right but that's all right good and so he makes bogey on the last hole you walk he walks off and you say sorry greg <laughs> but you've won the tour championship and I, that was the cover of sports illustrated <laughs> so it was I, that's crazy you didn't get to play with him in that were you were you the group ahead are you two groups ahead where was, were you that day i was in? i was about 30 40 minutes ahead of him now i had shot 63 the opening round with a bogey which is still the current course record out there which crazy I'm so proud that, that you know is that's how hard the golf course was but i was already in abc was doing the coverage i think peter jacobson i know he was he was in there announcing because he was hurt or whatever. I actually, it was Halloween, and I put on one of the most hideous-looking Halloween masks on, and Mary Langdon was just a little bitty baby. And, you know, they're watching at home, and, and uh, I've got this mask on. So and it was just crazy. And then to walk out and watch him make bogey, I, I should have been out hitting balls to loosen up. But yeah. <laughs> when I saw him knock it over the green, I figured there's no need for that because he'll never get it up and down. So 
that was a cool moment. But, you know, I guess the coolest, when you talk about family, one of the coolest things, talking about Mary Lane when she was a little bitty, when I came home, she had a T-shirt that said, My Daddy Beat Seve. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just, like, teary-eyed. But when I won the tour championship, she had the T-shirt made up, My Daddy Beat Them All. And that was cool. <laughs> oh, I that love was cool. it. I love it. We're talking about the daddy here is Jim Gallagher, Jr. Jim, take me back to the Ryder Cup with Seve. Um, you're talking about a guy that was known to beat down anybody, the Sergio Garcia, the Spaniards. You know uh, how how tough they are in Ryder Cup uh, formats. Even people like Monty, uh, who's from what England, Scotland, whatever. The bottom line mm-hmm. was they're very good at Ryder Cups in Poulter. Um, you took on basically uh, the Dragon Slayer. He could take on anybody, and it was an easy day for you, if I recall. Uh, take me back through that. Uh, you know, through that round of golf, at what point did you feel comfortable? Did you ever feel comfortable? Well, that's a good question because I was not originally supposed to play Savvy. I was supposed to play uh, Sam Torrance, and he had a, a injury, and he had to put his he had to pull out. And in that case, someone on the American team had to put their name in, and it was Lanny Watkins. He was a pick. He said, "You know, I didn't earn my way on. I'm a pick." So his name went in. So that was a half a point per team. Well, then when that happened, I then fell in to play Seve, and I'm sitting up with Tom and Christy Kite at the church service Sunday morning, and I kept saying, you know, I want to play Seve, I want to play Seve. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden the ladder moved, and he put his name right next to me, and Tom looked at me, and I go, well, I mean, you know, I, I do want to play Seve, so <laughs> I didn't have time to really get nervous sleep on it. I only had like two hours, because all of a sudden now I'm playing the great Seve. Right. And I, I just, you know, I had, like I said, I had a chip on my shoulder. I knew I was playing well. And as I walked off the first tee, and I hit it down the fairway, and he missed it off to, to the right a little bit, I remember walking off, and Bernard Gallagher was their captain, and he looked over at Seve, he says, you'll beat him six and five. And that's where your number six and five came from. Yeah, he I said, like you'll, that. You'll beat him six and five. And I turned around to Tom Watson, who was a captain in Lammy. I said, it might be the other way around. See, I got my brother's so, back. You understand that. So you see that? All right, yeah, okay. Yeah. So you said, so I love it. So here, the game's on your tee box number one. So that all went down. So, I mean, and I went in the first hole, and I got up on him early through the round, but he kept getting it up and down. I'm going like, this guy is not going to keep getting it up and down. And as I walked to number nine, I've made birdie there. I think I'm two or three up. And I hear the crowd screaming, Savvy, Savvy. <laughs> well, I start acting like one of them crazy college players <laughs> in football, dancing around, waving my arms, saying, bring it on, bring it on. And, uh, you know, it was, just, it was like a magical day. And I end up beating him three and two, and, and he shook my hand. He had tears in his eyes. And, and I mean, wow. I beat the great Sevy. So it was like, wow. That took from me confidence in myself to a whole new level. But that was also sort of a curse as well because not long after that, I felt like I had to play like the person who beat Sevy. And I put a lot of pressure on myself. And that's kind of where things started to kind of deteriorate. Wow. We're talking to the great, very honest Jim Gallagher Jr. You're in a Mississippi minute. I'm Steve Azar. Stand by. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Steve Azar on Facebook.com Steve Azar Live and listen to all my music. Steve Azar and Steve Azar and the King's Men wherever you download or stream. Head to head. For every sport of every kind, tune in here where you will find. Head to head radio. Weekday afternoon, starting at 3, here on Super Talk Mississippi, and now on Amazon Alexa devices. Okay. 
In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Yeah, I've been down. I've been beaten, I've been cheated. You see it in the way I walk. Read it on my weary face, been more like a pebble. I'm Steve Azar. We were on the total flip side of a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. My guest today, Jim Gallagher Jr., knows all about what a Mississippi Minute's like. I remember this, and we're talking about superstitions real quick and quirks and all that, because I know we all have them. Uh, <laughs> you, I remember we were playing in Atlanta. I, you like how I just said we were playing in Atlanta because I felt like I was. You were playing, yeah. You right? were there. You were there. It was tough on me. It's hard on me. I got to tell you, watching my brother out there, you know. So I remember you. You held the lead going to the last day. You were eating tricks every day because I watched you get up and eat the same cereal and do the same things. Where was that uh, in in level of importance to get ready for pregame in your day? I was a little superstitious. I used to not play a Titleist too. I used to not wear Navy slacks, and I used to eat the same meal if I had success. And you're right, I had tricks and a Pop-Tart. You forgot to add that. Oh, I forgot about but, the Pop-Tart, yeah. yeah. Yeah, So, I mean, you you laugh at that, and and, and, that, and, and I'm getting off track a little bit, but there's a big junior, the state junior was at Old Waverly, and I was speaking to the kids, and one of the moms said, well, Mr. Gallagher, you know, what do you do for your pregame and getting ready to play? I mean, you eat a certain thing, and I go, well, when I won Greensboro, they had Krispy Kreme donuts in the locker room, and I grabbed about three or four of those. And then I said, I did so good on the front nine, I went ahead and got a couple more at the turn. <laughs> and by the end of the day, I had about six or seven. So I wasn't the best eater in the yeah, world. Yeah. But when things worked, I just kind of stuck with it. And and like you said, tricks and Pop-Tarts, that's actually what I did when I won Memphis. So, uh, wow. Yeah. I was pretty, yeah. I was pretty much on a sugar. See, if I'm on your, if I'm, if I'm your agent, then I've got that covered. I've got you've got a tricks endorsement. You got the tricks hat. You got the, you know, and then you've got, you know, the pop tarts. Are you kidding me? That would have been like the coolest endorsement ever. And uh, you'd have had proof that uh, actually scientific proof that it does work uh, to help win tournaments. You yeah, know? well, see, it, it actually worked because I wasn't a drinker, so that actually that was my, you know, kind of a uh, crutch that I had. I was a sugar yeah. freak, so, <laughs> uh, and I'm still pretty bad about some of that stuff. But now I'm, I need a little bit better uh, pregame. But uh, it's a form of making it. If you think it's going to help, it'll probably help. Yeah, you know, it, it's the craziest thing. But I think in golf, routine is what most instructors try to get you to do. And you were asking, you know. I watch somebody, if you're in match play, and this is for the people out there, listeners out there, you're playing your buddy, and they start doing something a little out of their routine, you got them. Probably Tiger and Jack, I, I, I don't know, but they would watch their opponents, and if they, if they even watched them. But in match play, you watch if they get out a little bit of their routine. Do they speed up? Do they slow down? Do they walk? Do they take Which means there's, not, there's a little bit of uncomfortableness going on, right? Exactly, and that's why it's so important in golf or anything to have that routine so when you get nervous, you're still doing the same thing you were doing when you weren't nervous. And right. so it takes away thinking of nervous, and I think it's so important to have that. And it doesn't have to be a five-minute routine. I mean, it has to be the same thing. And I see a lot with, with B.J. Trolio teaches with my kids and his students, and, and, and I see other instructors on the P.J. Tours. They try to just have the same routine. And, and if you video it, and he has done that with me, I have the same mannerism that I never knew I had in there when I hit good shots and he videoed enough of it. And I was like, wow, man, I so, love it. I love it. I love you know, it. It's the subconscious thing that you don't even realize you're doing 
But when you do it over and over and over, it is. It becomes subconscious. You don't have to think about it. All right, let's talk real quick before we leave because we're running out of time. And I want to talk to you real quick about the, to me, and, and I think our listeners got this, uh, uh, who you are as a human being. You're so family oriented. If family meant everything to you, you, uh, to me, gave up, uh, you probably left a little fruit on the tree out there because of family, but you didn't leave any fruit because that was way more fruitful being a part of, uh, of watching your kids grow up, watching your wife win. How many, 10 state ams or did she win? 12, 12, one to the other, 12 state ams and watching your wife. I remember you telling me what is cooler than watching your wife and your child her child play each other in the finals of the Mississippi State M, and the old veteran took her. <laughs> yeah, well, that's 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 the cool part when your kids. I, and you were talking about watching, like you sat there and watched. It's so hard for me to watch and try not to be that. Dad. And it was Mary Langdon, right? Yeah, it was Mary Langdon. She played sissy, and it, and, and I was caddying for Mary Langdon, which was really hard. Uh, I think it was in the it might have been the semis or whatever. But they had played each other a couple times, and finally Mary Langdon just beat her. But, you know, both my daughters have won. Kathleen and Maryland have won two state amps. This he's won 12. And it's unbelievable. You know, I would never give up 2,000 to current day, the time I got to spend with watching my kids grow up and be the dad. Fortunately, I've been able to still play a little bit and then, and then now the golf channel stuff. And I, and I miss some things, but I, I don't miss many. Uh, and I try to – we sit down at the beginning of the year and try to – this is important, like Elizabeth's right. graduation and, 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 and Thomas's wedding or Maryland. we got these things – you know, this is so-and-so's thing. And you can't do everything, but I've been there for an awful lot. And, you know, I didn't want my kids to grow up and say, well, my dad's Jim Gallagher. I just don't know who he is. The bottom line is, to me, you have been as absolutely successful as you could possibly be by the choices you made in your life that you realized the importance of family, family. Man, I've seen in the music business so many families get disrupted. you got to be unselfish. And you got to realize when that time in your life comes, that's the victories. It's like Jack Nicholas watching his grandson make the hole in one at the par three tournament. I wrote Jack a note. Oh, that's so cool. Back. That's what it's all about. Jack Nicholas did it like you said, as good as anybody and balanced it. And like you said, you came back home. This is where your roots are. This is where my roots are. And it is our home, and we love being here. <laughs> I appreciate it, brother Jim. You have a great day, and I, and I love you, brother. Thanks for having me on, brother. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.